0: Hey Fangirl Nation, it is Tracy Sandler, your 49ers Fangirl, joined as always by my co-host Stephanie McCarroll. How are you, Steph? I'm doing well. I'm very excited for this week. Um, Lots of good things. The
1: NFL Draft, of course, for 2019 and our guest today. It's
0: really going to be a great week. And let's jump right in. We'd like to welcome ESPN's Jason Fitz to the podcast. Hello, Jason. How are you? I am so excited. Think it's spectacular. And thank you for having me. This is awesome. I'm super excited. Well, thank you for coming on. We are excited to talk to you. As probably everybody listening knows, the NFL draft is this week on Thursday after months of mock draft after mock draft and speculation and all the rumors. It's finally here. It's all happening. And it is going to be in Nashville, a place where I know you have lived for about 20 years. Um, But if you could tell us a little bit, Jason, just about your journey to where you are today because I think you have a very interesting past that maybe not everybody knows about. Yeah it's funny because people ask how you get to ESPN
2: and my answer is always you know you go to Juilliard. Uh, that, it's, it's strange. <laughs> and I'm the first to admit it. Uh, I started playing the violin when I was four. By the time I was eight I practiced eight hours a day. I was a classical music kid. I uh, got into
3: Juilliard as a kid. Played Carnegie Hall as a kid. That was supposed to be my life. Uh, and, wow. Uh, eventually to Nashville and uh, I uh, you know, I went from playing classical music to playing uh, fiddle and uh, was lucky enough to uh, do some prominent things. I played on records for everybody from Matchbox 20 to Alan Jackson. And uh, along that journey, I linked up uh, with some different touring acts, most notably uh, with the band Perry. Uh, I spent over six years touring uh, with the band Perry when uh, uh, If I Die Young had just crossed over and become a, a big number one hit for the band. And so I, I got to see the world and tour the world. and. Uh, somewhere in that process uh, our busiest year I was gone 300 days and I came wow. home to my wife and I said you know what I've been gone 300 days this year and worked my whole life to do this and I'm thankful for what I get to do but I don't love what I do and she said if I asked 100 of your friends what you really love what would the answer be and I said Sport. and so we laughed about it and she said find a way to talk about sports so I took my uh string recording software and I took my mic that I used for violin recordings I sat in my car because i felt like such an idiot and i started a podcast and uh, i put it up on facebook for my friends and uh, everybody came back and said man this is like being on a tour bus with you You're, all you do is talk about it it's fun to listen to so i ripped it apart and i wrote a business plan and i started uh, deep diving into how i could get music guys to talk about football and football people to talk about music it really create something i hoped would be different and uh, i did that and uh, that was i don't know five six years ago and that journey has led me to ESPN. So it's, uh, it's been incredible. I've really struck the life lottery twice. I got the tour, and now I get to talk about sports for a living. So I'm
2: incredibly, incredibly thankful.
0: And I think that's something Steph and I can really relate to because it's very much how Fangirl Sports Network was born, um, was figuring out what do I love, what can I talk about, can I marry you know the female side of me and the sports side of me because I didn't feel like anyone was doing that. And then with the podcast – Stephanie and I um, are both big 49ers fans, and Stephanie was writing for Niners Nation. Not that Stephanie can't speak for herself, but she was writing for (laughs) Niners Nation. And we were following each other on Twitter, and I reached out to her and said, I'm starting this this company, Fangirl, and I want to do a podcast. At the time, I was just covering the 49ers. that, That was all we covered at the time. And would you be interested in doing it? And Steph said to me, are you kidding? But I didn't know her and it was a Twitter DM. And so I backtracked because I was like, okay, well, we don't have to. I mean, if you're not into it, I just thought it, seemed like, it just seemed like a cool idea, but it's totally fine. Um, and then she was like, no, I mean, are you kidding? I've been wanting to do a podcast and here we
3: are. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> that story, and it's really inspiring to hear you say that. And people will roll their eyes at this, but I will say loud and proud some of my best
2: friendships I have in my life came from the courage to randomly DM people whose work I respect. Mm-hmm. And it is amazing how just going to somebody in a DM to this day, when people
3: DM me ask me to, to come on stuff, I'm, I'm always open to doing that. I love doing it. But part of that is because when I first started, I was just DMing random sports writers whose work I loved and was saying, Hey, Will you make a few minutes to come on a podcast with me? And that's that's how I started friendships that really changed my entire life. So, you know, it, it's inspiring to hear somebody else go through that same journey. And it's just a reminder to everybody. I tell people whether you want to be in music or you want to be in sports, not that this is why we were talking, but just my mm-hmm. aside to everybody is if you want to create, create. There's no excuse not to create. Go create and then make people take note of what you're creating. But, but don't wait for anybody else to give you the opportunity to create. Go make art, whatever your art
0: is, and go start doing it regularly. Get better every single week. Work your butt off, and eventually people will take note. Well, absolutely. I think that's true.
1: Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Steph. Well, absolutely. I mean, I have to. I have to say the same thing. I think I struggled because you know, sports was all also a second career for me. I mean, I started completely off the charts. You know, different. And then it just became what I loved. It's just something I love to talk about. And it was, it was tough for me to kind of break through into that podcasting world. I wanted to right off the bat. And so it was just a really good marriage between, you know, Tracy and I, because we really started as two girls talking, you know, Niners, you know, football and, you know, and and from there just so much has, you know, come to realization and fangirl sports is just born from you know just a deep desire to to
0: like you said create and it's been a fun journey you know and all the negatives of the internet and social media and i we know there are many of them this is the positive of it this is the cool thing about the world in which we live and I like I say this a lot on the podcast I sound like I'm 90 when I say this but I do think it is kind of it's an amazing place where you can say one day you know what I've loved what I've done. I've loved touring. I've loved music, but I really love sports. So I'm gonna go in my car and start a podcast. And I can say to Steph, like, you seem we seem to both really love the Niners and we like sports and you know what you're talking about. What do you how do you feel about a podcast? And then you start something. Um, and that is I think that is the upside of the internet and social media. I know there are many downsides, but that's where the upside well, is you guys certainly i mean let's be honest you guys feel the, the the downside more than than
3: i ever will being female in in the sports industry and i see that all the time you know i work uh, monday through friday i'm on on the uh, on the air with sarah spain mm-hmm. and okay. i can say the same thing and you know i i'll watch sarah's twitter wall as people attack and, and just destroy her and i don't get nearly i i just don't get that same level of, of interaction with people because. We live in this incredibly negative world. It's hard to keep the positive aside from that. But when you can find the positive of social media, it can be incredibly positive. And, and in that sense, you know, uh, again for me, it's been life changing. And it's still a part of you know the, the, the for everything that we hate about social media. I love the fact that I get to actually connect with people every single day when I'm on radio and have a real what, what feels like a real connected conversation and relationship with fans in a
2: way that you never could have 20 years ago. I grew up in an era watching the Raiders. Since I'm a lifelong diehard Rangers Raiders fan, so we do
3: have rivalry between the 49ers and Raiders. all <laughs> right. World We're world not going to hang up I the phone. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get along for this one for this, for this broadcast. But, I, I mean, I remember, and people will laugh at this,
2: I sat in front of the TV waiting for the 10-minute ticker
3: because that was the only way on Sundays you could see the score of the game's of the teams that weren't on TV, so if the Raiders weren't on TV, I waited for NBC to give me the 10-minute ticker every 10 minutes, and that's how. And I, and I would run to the, the convenience store every Friday and Monday to get USA Today to sort of try and read a paragraph about my favorite football team to figure out what was going on. Now we live in a world where suddenly, if somebody has a bad practice, it gets tweeted out, and everybody knows about it. I mean, mm-hmm. It's really it shows you the power of where social media has taken us for fans and for media,
2: and the ability to sort of connect to your favorite team.
0: And since you are such a Raiders fan, I'm going to take this moment to shamelessly plug our Raiders fangirl, <laughs> who you can follow on all social media, at Raiders FGSN. She's great. Um, so just, she really is. She's awesome, and uh, she does a really good job. So I'm going to give you that. And, you and I will-
2: how- we speak. That follow is, hand- is-, is happening right now. So <laughs> yes.
0: look at that. And yes. Asking. he There we Woo-hoo. go. And, and as a thank you, I'm going to go ahead and say you should all follow Jason at Jason Fitz <laughs> on all social media. Um, and don't worry, we'll throw out those Twitter handles uh, and social handles more than once. So don't you worry, you won't, you guys won't be able to miss them. Um, but I think you'll enjoy her coverage. And that's, you know, and I think what's been fun about Fangirl is like what you said, someone has a bad practice, it gets tweeted out. And here we have a, a woman representing every team in the NFL and NBA So you want to know what's going on. You just go to your favorite team's fangirl, and she's got it for you. And that's, I think, been fun for people to get that local coverage. Um, Yeah, I'm going to be cheesy for a minute and and forgive the cheese for it, but maybe I have so much perspective to this because I work with Sarah so often, and I'm lucky enough to work a lot with Elle Duncan. I work a lot with Mina Kimes. The women at ESPN are incredible. Uh, They're gifted. They're talented.
3: Nicole Briscoe. Uh, the the people I've had the opportunity to work with, what's cool about what you're doing is you're also giving a voice to a generation that may not have realized they can have that voice. So it's, it's very, very cool to think about the empowerment. You know, it, it took me, I'll always go back to like, I'll never forget my first concert and it was Skid Row Bon Jovi, uh, Scarborough. And I remember he blew up on stage in what I now know is called a toaster. It's this thing that pops you up on stage. Folks going everywhere. I'm this little classical musician. And I looked at Richie Sambora and I said, man, that's cooler than every, anything I've ever done. I want to do that with my life. And those are the moments that, that we sort of take for granted when you see somebody that, that looks like you and that's had the path that you've had and that you can relate to when you see somebody like that do something, it's easy to look at it and say, I want to do it. I think one of the powerful things that's happening for the next generation is that women in general are finding that their voice should be heard and be heard and, and can be heard in an incredibly eloquent way about all of the topics we want. So it's cool that you guys are sort of powerfully giving the next generation a reminder that, hey, you can do this too. In in a world where, you know, it's easy it's easy for people to say, well, what did you play, you know, and what sports did you play at what level and where were you? We're not in that world anymore. We're in a world where what do you have to say? If you have something to say that's that's researched and it's good and it's different, people will gravitate to
2: that content. So good on you guys.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much. Very very, nice really that. that is a very, very nice pump We we appreciate that. And that is, a, I'm glad that you also noticed that because that is a big part of what we're trying to do at Fangirl is empower women and create a community of female fans where they feel they have a place to go where they won't get all that negativity, which of course isn't possible, but maybe there's less of it when you're dealing with... Well, <laughs> social media in this spot and we can try. We can try. I mean, we can try. We have we got a, I got 2 days before I got to go to Santa Clara for draft. So, you know. <laughs> so, I'm I'm cool to try. Um, but I guess that does bring up a point the, the point of why originally we were talking and that is of course the draft. As I just said, I will be in Santa Clara um as that's where the Niners will be, but the draft is taking place in the very awesome city of Nashville. Um, and Jason, we want to know where should people go? What should they do? Um, what should they not miss? And that could take a long time. To, once we figure that out, then we can solve all of social media and then we can talk some NBA playoffs. So we're going to yeah, be here a while, guys. Get know, comfy. We'll uh, you know, and, and I would
3: say to anybody that hasn't been to national in a while, uh, it's changed. And uh, you know, one of the things that, that uh, we've done for this, uh, for this draft broadcast that I'm particularly proud of, uh, I had the opportunity to sit down with about a dozen different country music stars, uh, Brad Paisley, Keith Urban, Zach Brown Band, Rascal Flatts, Little Big Town, Bitskill, uh, Darius Rucker, Kane Brown, the list goes on and on. We sat down with all of these different artists and we talked about uh, sort of their making it story, trash talking each other, fantasy football leagues, all of that fun stuff. <laughs> but we also talked about the progression of Nashville because what a lot of people don't realize is in 2010, Nashville was hit with what's uh, often called a, a thousand year flood. And uh, there, there were billions of dollars of damage uh, done to the city. The city was basically decimated, especially the area where the draft is was completely underwater. All of Lower Broadway was shut down for months, and over three hundred fifty thousand hours of community service were donated for locals, two locals, to rebuild the city. So, if anyone hasn't been to Nashville in, let's say, the last five years version that they get now is a rebuilt nashville it is a very energized and very crazy nashville so i tell everybody go have a good time just start prepping your liver now because it is a lot <laughs> like vegas it is just, so it's just a lot of drinks all over the place uh but there's a there's a charm and acquaintance to it i will tell uh, i will tell everybody here's the secret all right here's the secret you need to know about nashville Everybody's going to want to go to Biscuit Love. Biscuit Love has become this really popular place. Down in the Gulch, people wait for hours, two and a half hours
2: just to get oh. in. I'll get it? People do
3: it. I will tell you this there's another Biscuit Love on 21st. All right? Like, <laughs> down the road, there's another Biscuit Love. And there's no way. You can just walk into the other Biscuit Love. It's just nobody knows it exists. So go to the Biscuit Love that's on 21st. You can walk right in. You can get it. And then it's attached to a place called Grilled Cheesery which
2: used to be a food truck, and now it's a food truck and a brick-and-mortar store, and it has the craziest, most awesome, fancy grilled cheese you could ever have in your life. So you can get, like, biscuits,
3: coffee, sit there long enough that that settles, and then go get heavy grilled cheese. Like, that, that's really your food goal. So stay away from the biscuit love and the gulch. Go to the one on 21st. That is my sage life advice uh, for everybody to make sure you <laughs>
0: That's ex- excellent life advice. That sounds delicious. Um, and I'm just in my head now trying to figure out if I can get myself to Nashville and back to Santa Clara by the time the 49ers pick it too. It's a dirty little secret for Nashville. Uh, at one point, and I don't know if this is still true, but at one point a couple of years ago, there were more James Weird award-winning chefs in Nashville than than Manhattan. Wow. Because the the cost of, of
3: touring is so cheap in Nashville comparatively that everybody was opening restaurants all over town. So. Uh, those restaurants come and go uh, like any big city at this point. But you can go get high-level, great, great food all over Nashville. As much as it's known for hot chicken, and, and that's sort of become an advertising campaign. And Yeah, we went to Hattie B's for one of our draft features, and I ate some of the hot chicken. That's fine. That, that's one part of it. But there are also incredible uh, restaurants all over town. There's a restaurant called Cinema. that's spelled like Sin, S-I-N, Cinema. That's over on Eighth uh, by Melrose. Uh, cinema has got a, one of the Top Chef contestants opened it. Uh, it it's incredible food, and, and it's in an old theater that's been transformed into a restaurant. Uh, you've got uh, you've got other Chopped contestants that have, uh, or Chopped judges that have restaurants all over town right now. There's a, a really cool place called House of Cards downtown. It is an actual, or you, you go, you have an incredible, like, it's like sort of a steakhouse, but it, it's a speakeasy type place. So it's sort of lost. Nobody knows it's there, and that's intentional. But included with your dinner is a magic show that happens and then magicians walk around and do like awesome magic tricks while you're eating incredible high-level food. So uh, that's another one you can't miss. Uh, there's just – it really is one of those places where off the beaten path you can find anything and if you want to go a little further off the beaten path in Midtown – is a place called Patterson House. They have a, a strict no pictures rule. Everybody wears a little like Tuxedo bow tie. It takes them 20 minutes to make a cocktail, but they're all like
2: very, it, again, it's like a speakeasy sort of place. So it's no longer just country music, dive bars, and bad beer. There's a lot to experience in Nashville that's really a, a culinary delight. Wow.
0: That's <laughs> fantastic. That is amazing. Um, I have a, a random question, but I'm going to kind of do some fire. So without you, best cup of coffee in Nashville?
3: Oh, best cup of coffee in Nashville is difficult, and and this is always my favorite story. In 1997, when I moved to Nashville, I called my mom afterwards, and I said, "Mom, they don't even have a Starbucks here. Like, why, why did I move here? They don't even have." <laughs> How much they changed in 22 years at this point? Uh, nothing that you see in downtown Nashville existed 20 years ago. Uh, there's a local coffee place um, that is Edgeville Hill uh, Cafe um, that is that is one of the more popular ones. Bongo Java is a local coffee place that uh, a lot of people like but my favorite especially downtown is a a place called crema and uh, crema is on first avenue uh that there's a a location there and uh, it it is really incredible the number of pool coffee places though if you want to see celebrities uh, there's a place in 12 south called frothy monkey and it's not uncommon i was in frothy monkey a few few years ago with ben folds Jack White and Taylor Swift were
2: all in the same place having a cup of coffee. Okay. Only in Nashville, And nobody gets bothered. Nobody gets bothered. Like it's a, it's a very interesting
3: dynamic. But Frothy Monkey is a good sightseeing coffee. place.
0: Okay. And what would you say is the best – what is the best place to the people – okay, I'm going to start that sentence all over again. <laughs> um, I'm so moved by it. I can't even get the words out. What would be the best place that is kind of a sightseeing place but maybe that people don't know about? That you don't you think is a, a can't miss. Well, I I mean, I, unfortunately, everything's
3: become so overexposed that I don't know. If there's a ton of don't know about, but I will say, go check out Twelve South. It, it, Frosty Monkey is in that same Twelve South area. Uh, Draper James is there. That's Reese Witherspoon's uh, mm-hmm. store. She's in there a lot. Uh, but there's a bakery that's in that area called Five Daughters. Uh, that's a little off the beaten path, and I I say this as a person that doesn't usually ever promote you know healthy bakeries i want i want all of the bad when i go to a bakery there's never been in a world that does like vegan gluten-free everything also Ooh. that is beyond incredible so uh it's the, it is a bakery that that will go full on if you're like me all of the bad but then all of the good if you have eating restrictions and you would never know that
0: you're not uh you're not in the thick of of awesome. There's also a Jenny's ice cream and a Mm. sprinkles cupcake uh, in there too. So uh, it's sort of a great like park and walk around and just check it out, have a drink and grab a snack and walk around that area. Oh, that sounds just fantastic. Where do you think a fun place would be for people to watch the draft in Nashville if they're not actually at the draft? Well, here's the great thing about the way they've set up the draft. If anyone hasn't seen the renderings, the stage will go right at the end of First Avenue and Lower Broadway. The back of the stage will be the Cumberland River, again, to be heavy for a moment. This is all area that was flooded and has been rebuilt. So it's
3: a really cool rebuilt moment. But that stage will face uh, the next five, six-block radius. Uh, That five or six-block radius on Lower Broad is all bars. And all of those bars are three stories plus a rooftop. Every Mm -hmm. one of them has a different band on every floor, too. So they will all have live music from 10 a.m. to 2 a.m. consecutively throughout the day. So you can literally go into any of those bars on any of those floors, Find a band that you like. The band shifts run in four-hour increments, so ten to two, two to six, six to ten, and ten to two. Uh, that that's the way that runs. So you know, if you like a band, they'll be there for that four-hour block. But you can sit in any of those spots, and you can really hang out. I've heard that the weather does not look great for Thursday at this point. I wouldn't be afraid of it. The national weather changes incredibly, but I would say the best bet to do is go down early. Find a rooftop spot that you like, they will have TVs where you can see it, but you can also see the stage out of your, sort of your peripheral vision. You'll be in the thick of it, but you'll be above it, you'll have great music with you, uh, good drinks, and uh, and almost all those places, they also have good food. So uh, you can really run the gambit that way. Uh, if you want to find a cool off-the-beaten-pass spot to watch and go to a total different area of town to stay away from lower broad uh I, I mean you'll be away from the thick of it but i will say that the germantown which is the area where the minor league baseball stadium is, is in, also has a uh, nice uh some nice restaurants and bars and i've heard they're gonna have some watch parties over there that are also a lot of fun so that that's another good option for you and if you just can't uh can't handle the crowd at all church street as a, a clyde's i believe is what the name of it is clyde's is a sports bar on church street that always has a ton of tvs but they also have pool tables and ping pong tables and just fun, cool ways to hang out and spend time in between picks. Although you should be watching the broadcast on ABC,
2: ESPN, and Twitter live. Be, be
0: the as well. Absolutely. You should be doing that. If something happened, and you couldn't do that, these are good options, but you should absolutely be doing that and not missing a second. I guess Jason, I'm ready to move to Nashville. I, just feel like, I know. You, you definitely, like I'm ready to pick up and move to Nashville. I'm sorry. I'll give you a piece of advice: like go go for a week and party your brains out. But
3: uh, I mean, there is a point where you everybody wants to move to Nashville, and I've been saying this since I toured in country music. You know, even back then it was like, oh my god, it's such a cool place, and it is. But about a month in, you realize that you've lost track of your life. You are
2: <laughs> you, you've
3: got to drink. You've put on forty pounds. You're not sure why you're no longer goal oriented, and then all of a sudden you realize you got to move to the suburbs. And once you move to the suburbs, suddenly, bam, a suburb is the suburb. So go visit, spend too much money, and then go back and realize that home is still off.
0: I have a random question for you. Will Jay Cutler be a part of any of these broadcasts?
2: Uh, I have not heard of Jay joining us uh, anywhere for
3: his broadcast. I, I, for our broadcast, I'm sure he'll be doing something. No, I mean, Jay is sort of a uh, – here's your, your, your Jay Cutler spotting. There's an area called the Mumbrian, right? And the Mumbrian, which is spelled like demon brewing. Uh, Demolbury Street has a, a series of bars on it. One of them is Tin Roof, and Tin Roof has become a national chain. But the original Tin Roof is not Lower Broadway, it's DeMumbran. That's the Tin Roof that Jay Cutler usually likes to hang out. With. So if you're looking for it, it all, and you know Jay's there when somebody just sort, sort of lets out a rebel yell and all of a sudden shots go to the whole bar for free, <laughs>
2: Jay, and that's where he hangs
0: out. <laughs> um, I asked that because I've been watching him on Very cavalleri and he is nothing short of incredibly entertaining. So I just, I mean, he's pr- exactly what you think he would be, but um, it's incredibly entertaining. So I just was curious if he would be joining any of the broadcasts uh, from Nashville, but that is a very funny story. So if I'm in Nashville and I hear the yell and the shots... I know, I know that's what Jay Cutler's.
2: Jay is the when you know,
0: you Jay, know Jay's in the building. Jay, like Elvis, Jay is in the building. Um, <laughs> so I guess we should probably talk a little bit about the actual draft and um, where your thoughts on where everybody's going to go. I will not make you do a, a seven round mock. I won't even do a <laughs> ten. But what do you think the first five picks are going to be? Well, here's the,
3: there are two things that I think messaging-wise every fan base needs to be here. Number one. Kyler Murray is a sensational quarterback, and I think Kyler Murray is so much fun to watch. I watched every game of his because I've been lucky enough to cover a lot of college football for ESPN, so I've been in the thick of Kyler Murray for a long time. That, that being said, I've talked to draft experts here. I've talked to quarterback experts here. I've talked to film experts here. Most of them have agreed that had Kyler Murray come out in last year's draft, he would be, at best, the third-best prospect. Had Justin Herbert come out of Oregon, Justin Herbert would have been a higher-rated draft prospect to most. And in next year's draft, Kyler Murray would probably also, again, be at best the third best quarterback. I don't want the love of a quarterback and the recency of what we've seen from Kyler Murray overshadow the fact that if you have the first overall pick in a draft that has some epic players on the defensive line, I'm not sure that Kyler Murray should be the first overall pick. I
2: would not personally,
3: if I was DM, take Kyler Murray top overall. Just because he's a quarterback doesn't mean he's the best prospect. You know, Mm -hmm. to me... That's the, the under-talked-about secret on it. We've fallen in love with Kyler Murray, the entertaining player. I don't know that that means Kyler Murray should be the first overall pick. I will tell you, I think if Kyler Murray goes first overall, the biggest benefactor of this are the 49ers. And oh, I'm yeah. not just saying, I'm talking to you guys. Uh, but Nick Bosa is clearly the best prospect in the draft. Quentin Williams, to me, is the second best prospect in the draft. Either of those players go... To a 49ers team that's not only going to get Jimmy G back, but is also going to find themselves getting healthy across the board, the 49ers are positioned to take a large step forward going into next season. So you know, the 49ers will be the, the benefactor of the fact that people are going to reach for Kyler Murray. That's the under, under-talked under about it. The other piece that I think fan bases need to understand is that uh, I had an insider here telling me a story about a draft a few years ago. I won't, I won't say the team, but I will say there was a, a very specific example of a team picking in the top ten. They did not want to take their prospect in the top 10. They wanted to take their prospect in the teens to the 20s. They couldn't find anybody that wanted to trade up. And we forget that there is a reality of as much as we want our favorite team to trade down and get more, more, more pieces, I'm not sure that in this year's draft there is that much incentive for people to want to trade up. So I wouldn't be surprised, particularly early on, if we see players taken that feel like it's too early. And we have to remember if that happens. It's not always just about the fact that you have the fifth, sixth, seventh overall pick. It's also, are you sure you can trade down to eighteen and get that same guy? Mm-hmm. And are you sure that a team really wanted to trade up to let you get down in the draft? Those are two things that I think we haven't talked enough about the draft that will shape the top ten. Picks.
0: I agree. Those are and those are both both those perspectives are really interesting. And you're right; they have not been talked about as much. Um, and I agree with you wholeheartedly on both of those things. <clears throat> so. Well, Thank you. <laughs> and I think, before,
3: and, and I'm, again, I'm not saying it just because I'm on with you guys and, and you're 49ers fans. Uh, I, the 49ers, I mean, how many teams can lose their quarterback? And whether we believe that Jimmy G is the future or not, the 49ers do. They showed that with their investment. How many teams can lose their quarterback and have a successful season? Not many. When you take into the, the account the rest of the injuries the 49ers saw as a, as a roster, and then you take into account the fact that they'll be picking at the top of every round of the draft. They have the ability to get better quickly. I I, I mean, I think when I look at at San Francisco and I look at uh, the Jets particularly, you're looking at two teams that believe that they are going to take a leap into not just relevant, but are we wild card relevant in one year? We don't see that often from teams that are picking
2: second and third overall. And
0: and John Lynch, was we had our media availability with him yesterday uh, before the draft, and it's very clear that he feels that way too. He had... You brought up Quinn Williams, and he obviously had amazing things to say about Nick Bosa, but he clearly believes that Quinn Williams is also an incredibly special player, um, and would be thrilled if that is who uh, they ended up with uh, with their first pick. And then, of course, the other thing they really need are some wide receivers, and this is such a deep wide receiver class. So it was clear in talking to him yesterday that he felt like after this draft um, that the 49ers are going to be in a good position to be successful, and I hope that he is right because. Well, and, and Quinn and Williams and Nick Bosa, I, I think if I were a GM of a team
3: today, I would have two two guys that, that were their names are in big bold letters at the top, and if either of those are available for me, I go running, running. I don't talk to anybody. I don't try and trade down. I don't have a conversation as a lifelong diehard Raiders fan. If Quinn and Williams falls to four for the Raiders, I will be doing cartwheels, and not that I know how to do one, but I will try to do a
2: cartwheel uh, as, as that pick comes in because I believe that Nick Bosa and Clinton Williams are absolutely going to be star players in the NFL. And and to your point of a wide receiver need for the
3: 49ers, let's be honest, at the top of the second round, there are going to be great wide receivers available. The other thing, too, is that when you when you have a pick in the top five of the second round, you have plenty of ammunition, as Baltimore reminded us last year, to move up into the bottom of the first round if the, if the person you fall in love with is there. And when you're talking about the difference between a four-year contract and a five-year contract, that's a substantial difference. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of activity from the teams that are picking in the top 10 of the second round, trying to move into the bottom of the first round to get somebody if they fall in love and some of these better prospects fall.
0: I agree. It's going to be uh, an interesting day. I think draft day is always just the whole weekend is so interesting because we spend so much time researching and mocking and guessing, and then it happens. And of course the wild card being, you don't know who's available when. You can make all these mocks and plans and then, you know, the days come and and who knows who's available when and the trades and everything. So it should be really exciting. But I think you've shared some perspectives here um, that give fans uh, a lot to think about um, in these next couple of days. Uh, The other thing that is going on right now, of course, it's major in sports, the NBA playoffs. Steph's Golden State Warriors look like, despite one odd situation that happened for them um looks like they will beat the clippers and move on and i know jason you are a big bucks fan yeah
3: i'm all in on the box and the funny thing is maybe this has just been my my hill to die on all year i just the, the course of one of the great things for me is that the opportunity to work in radio and obviously in radio we talk a lot about the nba but particularly I also host SportsCenter on Snapchat fairly regularly, and that is a medium that absolutely lives and dies by the NBA. So I found myself over the last year and a half consuming more NBA than I ever thought I would. And it's really alarming to me that the Milwaukee Bucks have not become more of a national story, not just because Giannis Antetokounmpo is special, but because of the way the team was really built. I mean, they built from the ground up a team, and they've added a couple of pieces, yes, but they've never been the whatever air quote super team that that so many people have a hard time with. That's the opposite of what the Bucks are. They are a small market team with a lovable superstar that seems to love his small market, and they've already decided, rather than play the free agency game next summer everybody else is playing, they've reinvested in the people they have. The Bucs are built for long-term success. If they get healthy, not only do I expect them to win the East, I do believe they can give the Warriors or Rockets a series, I, I, and I don't think we're talking enough about Milwaukee. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the fact that Giannis can score on anybody, and they can shoot on anybody, and I think Milwaukee... Be more of a story. I believe the casual NBA fan is going to fall in love with the Bucks as they continue to find reasons to hate Golden State moving forward in the playoffs.
0: Steph, what do you think about that? Well, <laughs> well, I I love I really
1: love Giannis. He's actually one of my favorite players in the NBA. I think he's a hard guy not to like, um, and he's awesome player. So I think that that's absolutely um, true. I've always I, I've already fallen in love with the Bucks a bit just this last you know, few years. Um, and I know Steph loves him and I know that they have a really good, you know, uh, relationship. And I also know that, um, but I do disagree. I do think he is stoppable. <laughs> I think between Draymond Green, I think between, um, now we have Bogut on the floor, too bad we lost cousins, but it's not like they still don't have, you know, Andre Iguodala, all those Are great defensive players, and I don't think Golden State gets enough credit for their defense. I mean, we're talking, you know, on both ends of the ball. Obviously, they've got the three best shooters in the world, but on defense, they're very, very good. It's just, it's for them. It's a matter of hanging onto the ball, protecting it, and not making stupid mistakes. They only the Warriors can beat themselves, and that's
0: my two cents. (laughs) Okay, that's fair. I think that that is. I I, I honestly don't disagree that the Warriors particularly don't get enough credit for the way they play on the defensive side of the ball. The only counter I would would, would have to that is, frankly, at times this year, the Warriors have just checked out. And we all get it because it's the regular season. The regular season doesn't matter to them. I just wonder how easy it is to
3: find motivation when you haven't had a lot of it. And and we've seen it in the past, and we accept it. We'll see it again. But where motivation typically hits in first is defensively in the effort. And, you know, so at some point, I think, you know, we expect to see that from the Warriors. I I would expect that we will get that from the Warriors. Maybe I'm just so, and and I'm the person who this. I admit it all the time, I go look and Wingo. Maybe I'm just so, you know, it's just so blasé to feel like, all right, the Warriors are going to win again. Maybe I found my own way to justify it in my mind. I just wonder if they'll be able to turn on the switch that they will need to turn on because it will take a, a, a solid defensive effort to really, especially around the perimeter, uh, for Giannis, and then to be able to spread out. They do have range that depth; they have the ability to do that. The other, the other thing too is I, you know, I'm the one guy in the world. I'm not convinced that Kevin Durant's going to leave after this season. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's interesting to see what what really turns on for these Warriors uh, because if they if they just turn it on and magically win a championship. Uh, that's great for Golden State. I also don't know that that Durant walks away from that as much as everybody
1: wants him to. Yeah, I tend to agree with you on that. At first, I thought for sure he was going to go. I know there was some talks that he's going to go to the Knicks. And I do think, you know, deep down, he might want to seal his own legacy. But at the same time, when things aren't broken, you don't necessarily want to, like, go anywhere. And he's certainly not in it for the money from what I've talked to him about, and what I've seen and all those things. But you know, it, it's still up in the air, but I don't think it's out of the realm of, you know, being totally outrageous that he does stay with Golden State. And I and I and now with um, Demarcus Cousins hurt again with his quad injury, I think there's a good chance he might sign again for another year. You know, to get that chance to prove himself because no one wants to go into free agency again hurt. So I think that I don't know. We'll see. And I think that um. You know, I, I don't know. I still think, and I will argue this to the death, um, I think Klay Thompson is by far one of the best defenders in the league. He doesn't get credit, and he gives it his all every time. He's totally solid, and he never, he, he doesn't miss games. He's not injury prone, and I think he's a big reason Golden State has had the success that it, it has. And then, of course, you know, with um, Draymond, I think he has the best defense in the league for, you know, somebody that can be so um, – he just pivots everywhere. and He's always in every single play. And I think, um, yeah, there's a turn-on factor, and I get that. And there's some things that Golden State definitely has to, you know, work around. I think some of the lineups that Steve Kerr goes with are a little crazy. But I do think that all in all, you know, when it's time, when it's time to show up, when it's, you know – I just don't know if anybody can take four games out of them.
3: I think the only bummer is that we're going to get, you know, Golden State-Houston next, and, and we all wanted that, right? I mean, we wanted the conference final to be Golden State-Houston. Uh, that, that's the only uh, unfortunate thing. I, and I don't I don't disagree with you. I always say this with, with Katie and securing his own legacy. I think that's the under-talked-about part of what's next for Kevin Durant, because – what in my mind is going to happen is he's going to look around at the landscape and realize that whatever happens next. Let's say he goes to the Knicks, and, and, and as so many people have reported, he goes to the Knicks. It's because likely they sign somebody like Kyrie, they bring him in, and they have sure. somebody like Zion. If they do all of those things, if it takes bringing Kyrie and Zion with Kevin Durant, is he ever really going to get the credit that he deserves? I, he already, in my mind, deserves credit. I think that this, this entire Stu Gatz, uh, you know, thing, and, and I've said that Stu Gatz and I have had this argument a million times. I think discrediting a man for going and deciding that he wants to take less to win championships is one of the most ignorant things I've ever heard from sports fans. I don't understand it at all. I will
2: hallelujah. <laughs> I agree.
1: <laughs> Amen. Amen. In Jude,
3: where we want, how we want athletes to like, what we want to be important to different athletes. Like Tom Brady gets all the credit in the world for staying with the Patriots, <laughs> taking less money, and winning championships, but we won't do that for Katie. I, I don't. I don't get it at all.
2: I just I don't
3: get it. the landscape. He's going to realize at some point that no matter what he does, unfortunately, this is wrong, but no matter what he does, the narrative about KD is not going to change from the people that have made up their mind. And with that being said, I, he's going to look around, to your point,
2: Boogie comes back because Boogie wants another year, and they're all going to say, man, let's do this with Boogie. Let's let's. We're, there's reasons to stay engaged, and they'll find reasons to stay engaged, and all of us are going to be sitting
3: here July 1st twiddling our thumbs saying, well…
2: Didn't see that coming. <laughs>
0: well, I mean, not the people that listen to this podcast. <laughs> oh, fair. Fair. I lied. I lied. <laughs> They're gonna be like, "I knew this was gonna happen because Jason and Steph told me on the Fan Girl Talk podcast." <laughs> <laughs> but I
1: think, and I think there's some good. There's gonna be some good. Um, and I'm 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 for it. Like I want the East to step up in a big way. I don't want you know. I'm I'm so glad LeBron James is not in the playoffs this year. I am so glad it's not just about him, and I'm so excited, and I really want the East to step in a big way. I've been looking at the Bucks for a long time. I think the Sixers have their moment. I think that, but it's it's all in play. But I would love for people to compete with Golden State and I love that the Clippers took that game I mean I didn't love it but I love that they came back and I love the substitutions that Doc Rivers did I love that they put in um, Patrick on KD it's like he's seven foot and he's six foot nothing and he and he's taking that ball away and he's pegged pestering him like to death, but I liked it. It made it fun. It made watching it enjoyable. And yes, they blew a 31 point lead, but I've seen worse. So, you know, it's (laughs) it was fun. Like, it's definitely fun to see the NBA trying to make the adjustments to at least compete with Golden State. And I and I'm I'm here for it. Like I'm really ready for it to be um you know of course Houston's gonna be the big story. I'm I'm not so much as worried, but You know, I'm I'm hoping that they step up, but, you know, Houston, everybody talks about James Harden and what he can do, but he like can score like three points and still win. And, you know, it's not just about James Harden. It's about that entire team. Chris Paul is so integral, Capella, all those guys. So, you know, I'm, I'm ready for a good showdown.
3: Yeah, I, and I don't disagree with any of that. I, I think Golden State, especially in that Houston series, is going to come out fired up. They, I think Golden State's tired hearing about Houston. They'll come out and thrash the Rockets. Uh, I, I do believe they are a much better team than the Rockets. Uh, I, I think NBA fans better be concerned, though, because if somehow my magical dream comes true and the Bucks sneak away a championship from Golden State, if that were to happen at all, that's only more motivation for all the Golden State guys to be like, you know what? Nope, we're gonna come back and we're gonna prove everybody. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I'm just saying, like, if you if you want the if, if somebody wants that dynasty to be broken up, then they should be rooting for a
1: clear, easy path to a championship where the guys are forward and they want to try something. New. Well, there you go. Yeah, I better. I'm glad you called him a dynasty.
0: <laughs> this is like, this might be Steph's favorite podcast ever. <laughs> so, so
2: yeah.
1: I'm like i oh, I'm like ear to ear smiling. I'm like, yeah. <laughs>
0: I'm like so glad I did this today. I'm glad I got up. I'm glad I got ready. <laughs> so, guys. I just
2: be honest you, like every one of these Golden State haters right now in fifteen years
3: is gonna tell their kids and their grandkids about how they watched that Golden State team and this new team's nowhere near as good as the Warriors were when they watched. I mean everybody's going to revision this history in 20 years. and be like, Oh, everybody loved the warriors.
0: Yeah. It'll, it's the same thing with the Patriots, yeah. it's, you know, it's <laughs> all those, all the haters. Um, well, this has been really fun. You guys, I am very excited about Thursday. I'm a little bit sad. I won't be in Nashville, but I'm now for sure planning a trip. Um, and going to check out all the spots that you mentioned, Jason, thank you so much. This was really awesome. Thank you, and, guys. Uh, You know, shamelessly, if anybody is in Nashville, come say hi. I'll be
3: hosting Golik and Wingo from Nissan Stadium Thursday and Friday. It's 5 to 9 a.m. Central time that we'll be on. So we'll be on 5 to 9 a.m. at the Nissan Stadium side, right by the fan experience where everybody can hang out. And uh, and then uh, check out on Twitter, uh, at Jason Fitz. You can see the links there. Uh, we'll be doing uh, coverage of the draft uh, digitally uh, with me, Mina Kines, Dominic Foxworth, Mike Jr., Field Yates. We'll be covering all three... Days of the Draft digitally also from Nissan Stadium, so you can check that out on Twitter. Uh, hang out with us as we react to everything that happens, and then uh, watch the broadcast. ABC and ESPN are both uh, broadcasting. It's two different broadcasts. The game day crew will be on the ABC side. The NFL Live crew will be on the ESPN side, but uh, I'll be on both uh, with some of the interviews that we've done, and it's a great way to sort of get a little flavor in Nashville
2: while you watch your favorite team on the clock.
0: Fantastic. We are looking forward to it. Happy Draft Week, everybody. And Jason, I hope that we talk to you again very soon. Thanks, guys. All right. Have a good one. Bye, everybody. All right.